In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here with the 258th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to title this episode, How to Stack Your Falcons Draft Board. The draft is coming up April the 29th through the 1st in Cleveland, Ohio. The Falcons currently hold the fourth overall pick. Lots of speculation on what they're going to do. Will they trade back? Will they take Kyle Pitts? Will they take Justin Fields after 49ers do him a solid and take Mac Jones? Or will they take Penny Sowell to fix their offensive line? We're going to look at how you stack a draft board, but let's look at the nine picks that the Falcons have. Uh, Fourth overall in the first round, uh, 35th in the second round, the 68th pick in the third round, 108th in the fourth round, 148th in the fifth round, 182 compensatory pick in the fifth round, 183 compensatory pick in the fifth round, 187 in the sixth round, and 219 in the sixth round, their last compensatory pick. They traded their seventh rounder away to Miami in the Charles Jones trade last year. So there you have it. There are nine picks for the Falcons in this draft coming up. So, uh, they've been putting in a lot of work. Um, new regime came in, uh, replaced, uh, you know, some of the scouts at the top and so forth. But what you got to do when you stack the draft board is you have 12 rows of 28 players. It's like 336 players. Now, you can shrink that as you go, but you got to start out with a big board like that. In the 12 spots, you're going to likely be quarterback, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, offensive tackles, then interior linemen. That's six offense, and then six on the defense. Defensive ends, defensive tackles, inside linebackers, outside linebackers, because they're going to be going multiple, so you want to have everything covered, and then cornerbacks and safeties. Now, we know just looking at the roster that, um, you know, they got to go quarterback at some point. They got to go running back. They let all the safeties go. Uh, They signed a bunch of linemen and linebackers in free agency, and, you know, maybe cornerback. They got to go cornerback. you have some coming back, but uh, they haven't played uh, up to par so far. So, 
Pitts is an anomaly, so you don't have to go tight end. They got four on the roster now. But if he's so good, they can go ahead and take him. They might be fine at wide receiver. So you want to stack your, your board with those rolls, 12 rolls with 28 players in each row, position by position. A lot of that work was done in February at the February meetings of all of the scouts. Everybody comes in. They've been on the – normally would have been on the road – uh, making sure they had the rankings of the top players and so forth. So once once they get it stacked, uh, then you bring in the coaches. The coaches get involved and, uh, you know, go over the players that, you know, they think might fit their scheme and their systems, and uh, you get them prioritized in tiers. Like if you got – so, for instance, the five quarterbacks are in the first round tier. You have them in there. Then, um, you know, you have maybe another tier of quarterbacks that will go in the second or third round. Then you have maybe a middle uh, group, fourth and fifth round and sixth round group. And then you got your seventh round and free agent group of quarterbacks. And so now you have to, um, once the board is stacked accordingly, at all positions, all positions across the board, because you want to plan for every contingency, then everything goes back to the GM, the coach, scouting director, and your cross-check scout. You know, that uh, normally would be after the combine. You're cross-checking everything. All the work's been put in. You saw all the games, uh, you know, that you could see this year, and then um, – you know, in some cases with guys opting out, you you know, you're doing film study from two thousand from two thousand and nineteen games. So you cross check everything and then you add a value final value board. So you might have different positions ranked like one, two, three. So you got fields, pits, penny soul. They're probably going to have, you know, Pitts might have the best grade. So if you're going to be doing, like uh, General Manager Terry Fontenot said, take the best player available, then then that's him. If it's, uh, if it's Fields, then maybe it's, you know, it's Fields, it's him. Uh, Penny Soul will be in that group too. And, you know, if you think you need to fix the offensive line, you do that. So that's how you would uh, prioritize them by position on the value board. Now, once you got all the players that you uh, believe are worthy and properly ranked at your position, then there's going to be guys who are kicked off of the board for either uh, scheme fits, medical reasons, or character questions. And we know that... Um, in the past, there have been, you know, uh, a lot of issues, and, and some guys don't make it to the Falcons' board because of that. So you could have some guys kicked out because they don't fit the new scheme. Dean Pease doesn't like them. Uh, one example was with the Bears uh, back in Levy Smith's days. He never had a 6'2", 300-plus uh, pound tackle 
on his uh, board because, you know, they couldn't play in their, their um, cover two scheme, couldn't get up the field. You didn't need anybody to hold the blockers and so forth. So, you know, you got to make sure that you have players on the board that can help you because you have to plan for the contingency that, hey, uh, your guy might be gone you might, and you got to go to plan B. So you got you got a uh, you got your board you got your value board the scouts have had their input the coaches have checked it now the decision makers are cross checking all of that work before you come up with that value board then you got to stack by position you've got that by position then you got to stack by value um, you know what round you're going to take a guy in say for instance Jamie Newman. Is he a fourth or fifth round guy, or do you look at him as a sixth, seventh round guy? So the uh, quarterback from Wake Forest and uh, University was supposed to play at the University of Georgia, but uh, things didn't work out for him there, So, and he opted out. So how high do you have him? So um, for them this year, you got to know where the drop-off is at quarterback pass rush, cornerback, and offensive lineman. So you must know the strengths and weaknesses of the draft and where it's going to drop off at. Now, this year, the, not a big uh, pass rush draft. A lot of people are going to be taking some risk in the pass rush area. I know that um, Mel Kuyper in his mock draft, he went to the second round. He has the Falcons taking uh, Gregory Rousseau out of Miami. Uh, in the second round, the 35th pick. So, uh, you know, some people b believe that Jalen Phillips out of Miami is a better defensive end, but he's got some medical issues that might scare some teams off. So you got to know the strengths and weaknesses of the draft. And another issue this year is with the no combine, uh, the medicals, or an issue, although the um, the teams tried to work out things with the doctors to make sure that all the, the medical clearances were, were taken care of and everybody got their uh, cross-checks and got that information to, uh, to all of the teams to make sure that they're available to uh, all of the decision-makers so when they get their boards stacked, they can go ahead and make those picks. This is a big uh, departure if indeed the Falcons do best player available uh, because we saw them not do that several times under um, Thomas Dimitrov. They would uh, draft need. We saw it when they took Vic Beasley at eight when Todd Gurley was over there on the board. Uh, worked out, kind of got him to a Super Bowl. Gurley helped the Rams get to one, two, and then both players – I uh, had a major dip in year five and year six. Uh, you know, Todd uh, tried to go in the bad leg the last couple of years, and whereas Vic just uh, couldn't stick with the, uh, you know, the Titans last year, and uh, you know, seems to you know lose lose interest and so forth. So that didn't work out. We've also saw him try to take need when they went Tack McKinley. But that was just a bad draft. Taco Charlton went a little, a few picks later to Dallas. Uh, Charles Harris went a few picks ahead of, ahead of um, McKinley. But Harris and McKinley are still in the league now. So 
McKinley's in Cleveland, Harris in Detroit, uh, still uh, trying to contribute and fulfill the promise of once being first-round picks. So, you know, we're getting close to the draft, lots of speculation. The uh, Falcons are at Justin Fields' second pro day today uh, up in Columbus, Ohio, uh, doing their due diligence. You know, Terry Fontenot way back uh, when he first got here said, you know, how important it was to scout the quarterbacks and, um, you know, pointed to Ryan Wolf and the Green Bay Packers and how they, you know, drafted a quarterback pretty much every year because that was the best player on the board when it was their time to pick. So we're going to see how this goes with the Falcons. You know, they have this collaborative, and there's got to be some collaborative at that, um, some collaboration at that uh, juncture where the GM, the coach, and the scouting directors uh, meet with the cross-check scout just to double-check all the information, make sure there are no red flags, uh, make sure the scheme fits are there, no medical issues, no character issues. And, um, for instance, one of the kids in the draft, Michael Parsons from Penn State, he has an issue, a case, civil case um, that's pending that teams want to know more about. It was a kind of a hazing incident, and uh, one executive said, yeah, it was a, you know, boys will be boys type of thing, but it went way too far. So it's just going to depend on the team and how much they want to uh, uh, put up with if he's going to be on their board or not. And uh, a few years ago, Tyreek Hill, he had, uh, had some issues at, uh, in college, uh, got kicked off the team in Oklahoma State. And some some teams didn't want him, and, and he wasn't on everybody's board. So uh, Kansas City, you know, took the gamble and went with it. And, you know, some of those problems cropped up early in his career, but it looks like he straightened himself out, and uh, maybe they got him some help. So, hey, we're going to uh, review here on how you want to stack your board. Uh, and a good way for you all to follow along, if you want to stack your board, is uh, our position by position series is running in the paper at AJC.com. We're up to the tight ends. We'll have the um, the linemen here. Uh, the tackles next. Tackles will be up next. We got the quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and the tight ends. And we tear them off by what round we think they're going in. And so um, we could stack the quarterbacks. You know, we got the top 10 and then the best of the rest. So that's 15 at each position. And we can stack them in. Uh, we got five in the first round, the quarterbacks. Uh, running backs, just two. Uh, Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. Wide receivers, I think we got six with uh, one of them being Rashad Bateman out of Griffin, out of Tiff County in Minnesota, uh, one of the locals that uh, will be going. And then the tight end group, we just have two, maybe two in the first round, certainly one, Kyle Pitts from Florida, and then the fire roof kid from uh, Penn State would be the second tight end if they go that high. Now the tackles will be um, – Interesting to see where some teams have Slater and Sowell. Uh, Sowell has been um, 
talked about for the last few years as a game changer. So uh, he can certainly uh, be, uh, maybe be that, maybe be that here in Atlanta. And the guards and centers, you know, Creed uh, Humphrey from Alabama is a big one. Well, that's Donison there. I'm sorry. Creed is Oklahoma. So, uh, you know, we have those uh, coming. And we'll slide into the special teams this weekend with the uh, Georgia Tech punter being the one of the top uh, punters in the nation. And then we'll get into the defensive ends, tackles. But we just kind of lump the um, ends and outside linebackers together. And um, that's pass rushers, edge rushers. And then we'll go interior guys. Barrymore from Alabama will be your top interior guy. And then linebackers, if Michael Parsons is on your board, he's going to be you know, on your board maybe in a couple places. Because he could play all three positions. He ran the 4-3-9. Um, you could put him on the line to rush in pass rushing situations. So he's going to have an interesting grade on a uh, from a lot of different teams. And so uh, your cornerbacks are going to be interesting to see how they stack. Because you got uh, Patrick Sertan, too, out of Alabama, who I think is a Close to a consensus number one. Then you got J.C. Horn, Joe Horn's son from South Carolina in there. Caleb Farley's got a medical, um, had back surgery here. So it's going to be interesting to see who uh, takes a gamble on his medical situation or see who's uh, done enough homework on him to warrant that. And uh, I got to do a lot more work on the safeties between now and the end of next week. I know we got the one down at TCU, but, you know, safeties are kind of hard because some teams like the in-the-box guy, the Deion Buchanan, Keanu Neal guy who come up and hit, and, and a lot of other people like the safeties who can cover, maybe not hit as much, kind of would be a traditional free safety, but, you know, with a little bit of pop. So it's going to be a couple different ways to look at that. Uh, that's why, you know, Keanu Neal wasn't rated that high because they knew he didn't have the cover skills, but they, he had the physical uh, talent that uh, the Falcons wanted. And Carl Joseph was another one that year. He went high to Oakland, spent some time in Cleveland, and just went back to Oakland. But he was a hitter too, uh, but you didn't want to leave him over the top much. Uh, but uh, he can definitely bring it that way. So we're going to get some more work on the safeties. But uh, that's what we've been doing here the last few um, weeks, getting on these Zoom calls, getting as much information uh, from our people that we talk to and the, the teams and the players and the coaches. Um, I thought Coach Diane Mullen down at Florida did a good job describing um, how pits is such a problem for people. He also did a good job of uh, letting people know that Kadarius Tony is just kind of getting started. He was a high school quarterback at Blount High in Mobile, but he thinks his upside in the league at wide receiver is really, really good. And, um, you know, so that was pretty good. Also, Coach Saban did a great job with, um, you know, with uh, quarterback Mac Jones. He said he was the manager. 
And he's like, he kind of defended it, said, hey, you know, you got to be a manager and so forth. So a lot of people are thinking that the 49ers traded up to three to, um, to draft Mac Jones. But some people believe that you don't trade three number ones to move up to three to take a game manager. But Kyle is a little different. That's what you keep hearing. Uh, that Kyle's evaluations of quarterbacks is a little bit different. Uh, that was him and his dad in Washington who didn't really want RG3. And they wanted Kirk Cousins. So they took Kirk Cousins in the fourth round. So if this is their guy and they traded up to get him and gave up all these number ones, um, man, that's going to be a stunner on draft day. Because a lot of people think that might be a smokescreen for Justin Fields to go there. And if it doesn't happen, then the Falcons are sitting there with – either Justin Fields or Zach Wilson in their lap, which, you know, they don't really need um, this year. You know, they, they really need the linemen. And, you know, but they're saying Pitts is such an uh, intriguing talent uh, that, you know, you might have to go ahead and take him too. So, or you get out of there. You get out of there, somebody, give you some picks, and you go back and get some more defense. Problem is, there's, there's no value in trading back now. The trade um, back move was with San Francisco, but you probably didn't want to go back to 12. But, heck, you would have had a whole lot more picks. And the other issue is Carolina got their quarterback and Sam Darnold. So you're only probably looking at Denver and um, maybe New England, but you probably don't want to go back that far. Now, I know Mel and his latest mock, Said the Falcons going back to six with the Dolphins, who who want Pitts too. <laughs> they want him for uh, Tua, and then the Falcons would take Trey Lance, which would be the fifth quarterback uh, going. And so you know he's developmental, only played 17 games. Uh, they'd have to take two, three years to get him ready to play. Uh, kind of like uh, you know the old school training that uh, Aaron Rodgers had in Green Bay. Pat Mahomes set for a while until he was ready. Uh, and and uh, Trey Lance would have to do that here in Atlanta. But it's becoming clear here on how um, the boards are stacking. We got almost two weeks to go here and uh, you know, stuff's starting to get clear. So in review here, how to stack your Falcons draft board. 12 rows of 28 players, 336. That's plenty, plenty, plenty to get you through six rounds of the draft since they got um, they don't have a seven. You got to stack the positions, and we got the four dots by cornerbacks, safety, quarterbacks, and running backs. And, uh, you know, I didn't put it by defensive end because everybody knows they need a pass rush. So um, you can see. Where, where they're headed here in the draft based on how you stack the board. Once you get the position set, you have scouting meetings. They go back and forth and get the ratings on the players. The coaches get involved. Then the decision makers. Then you have a cross-check scout that's cross-checking everything. And that leads you to your final value board. Okay, once you get your value board, you start ranking players. Uh, based on their slots, where you think they're going to go. And, you know, it could be positionless. You know, it could be quarterback, tight end, 
offensive linemen. We're thinking that's how the Falcons got the the, the top five, their, their top three spots uh, stacked. Okay, and then you're gonna kick out your your medical guys, the nine scheme fitters, and the character guys. The big medical guy this year is Caleb Farley, who had the back surgery. And then you go over to once you have that, got those guys off the board because you know you're not going to take them, so you don't want them anywhere near the board. Uh, then you um, have to determine where the drop-off in talent is. So everybody think it's five quarterbacks. Some people are starting to say, hey, David Mills from Stanford and GAC, who's top quarterback in the country, should be up in the first round too. So depending on where that, that tier is, is where he's going to go. Uh, pass rushers, not a lot. Uh, gonna probably have to take some people and coach them up. There's a drop off at cornerback after the top five, and there's gonna be a lot of wide receivers for the second year in a, a row. Pretty good offensive line, offensive guard group. So, you know, linemen are there to take. And then we've seen running backs kind of start going uh, into the third and fourth round here as of late. And so, you know, the running back stack, let's just finish up with a little bit of that. Um, after Najee and Travis Etienne, then you got the North Carolina backs. Uh, Javante Williams, I really like Javante Williams. Uh, then you got Michael Carter, then you got the Ken, uh, Kenneth Gainwell from Memphis. Uh, and those guys will probably be there at 35 but I mean you can kind of wait and go uh, I mean the big back Stevenson out of Oklahoma you got Trey Sermon out of Ohio State maybe third or fourth round on those guys so I think you can get a back uh, to come in and help uh, help Mike uh, Davis out as he comes over to take over some of the uh, main running back duties so we got a couple more weeks. It's heating up here. Um, I don't. I st I'm sticking by mock point mock my D led mock 4.0 as the best football move for the team currently constituted is to take the lineman. Um, I'm hearing all this pit stuff, but I mean you know unless he's Ozzy Newsome. You know, uh, or Shannon Sharp, or Tony Gonzalez, uh, which some people think he is, Travis Kelsey. Uh, then, you know, they got to take him. But, I mean, we know Matt Ryan's been sacked over 40 times the last four years. He could, he could have Travis Kelsey Jr. out there and not be able to get him the ball. So, um, you know, I just think... They have to get better in the trenches on both sides of the ball. And if they took five linemen and four defensive linemen, that would be a good draft. Uh, maybe sneak in a running back there. But uh, that's, uh, that's where we're at here. A couple weeks away. Uh, come back to AJC.com. We'll try to get what we can out of that Justin Fields uh, workout up in Columbus uh, later today. And then we'll, um, that should be it because the pro days are over. Although Trey Lance is going to throw again too. So we'll make sure we see if the Falcons go out to that. Because, uh, you know, all the reports are out there that Terry Fontenot likes Trey Lance um, and so forth and so on. So, and then they went to Jamar Chase's day. 
so we'll we'll see. We're getting close, so hang in there. It's been a long draft season, and uh, we're getting ready to get this thing over with. Get it started here, April the 29th through May the 1st in Cleveland, Ohio. So follow us on Twitter at D Orlando AJC. I uh, hope you are uh, enjoying some of our press on features from AJC.com and how uh, what some of the journalists are, are telling their story about how they press on and so forth. So hope you're enjoying that. And then you can also follow us on Facebook at Atlanta Falcons News Now, Twitter handle D Orlando AJC. With that, take care and have a great rest of the week. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution is taking Georgia political coverage to the next level. Now, Georgia's smartest political team is adding Hall of Fame political broadcaster Bill Nygut. I am beyond thrilled to be joining the remarkable political team at the AJC. And with the year that we have unfolding in politics, it's going to be an exciting ride. Read Bill Nygut's expert insight on AJC.com and listen to the Politically Georgia podcast with me, Greg Bluestein, And me, Patricia Murphy. And me, Tia Mitchell. Hear new episodes every weekday. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song. The celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents. Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop.